Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Here we are at Friday. Here we are at the weekend. And here we are with important collegiate action on tap. For both of the area's collegiate athletic programs and some uh, massive games as well. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM 1260, where we're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. I do thank you very much for joining us. Jeff Howe will join us around the bottom of the hour for the uh, Longhorn Notebook. He is across town from me uh, here in uh, Kansas City. I'm at the Longhorns Team Headquarter Hotel. And um, there's a lot to get to on the program today. First and foremost, our uh, esteemed producer is Cameron Parker behind the glass. How you doing, Cam? I'm doing good, Craig. It's uh, starting to rain out here in Austin, Texas, so not happy with the weather match play week. Yeah, how'd that go for you yesterday? You were out there, or were you planning to go today? No, tonight you've got baseball. You've got Round Rock against Stony Point, right? Yeah, I was hoping to get out and catch the very end of, of Jordan Spieth's match, but the way he's losing right now, he may be done before the show even ends. So wow. possibly for an hour or two, but yeah, high school baseball back up today we've already had a couple games postponed because of weather earlier this week so hopefully we don't have that same fate again tonight but it hopefully will clear up a little bit a couple hours all right since we're in the business of keeping people up to speed what's the update on uh, speed's match yeah so he's three down through six holes right now the shane lowry now he lost yesterday to taylor montgomery so for speed to advance to the round of 16 which is the weekend he would have to win his match and then have mackenzie hughes beat Taylor Montgomery in the other match. Now, the good news is that Hughes is three up over Montgomery right now. The bad news is Spieth is three down, and if Lowry makes this nine-footer, he'll be four down through seven holes. So, in other words, if you're going out to Dell match play, maybe just follow Scotty Scheffler around because it looks like he'll be playing this weekend. Yeah, okay. All right, good. We'll keep uh, people updated on that. Um, as always, we like to uh, – Wish people a good weekend, and I understand, I always say this, there are some people for whom the weekend merely means, uh, you know, going to the job site or going uh, or going to the office or going to the place of business, or in, in my case, the place of business, and I'm uh, hoping to be uh, working throughout the weekend up here in Kansas City. That would be the T-Mobile Center where the Longhorns have a basketball game tonight. 
uh, in the Sweet 16, Texas against Xavier. We're going to hear from Rodney Terry coming up here in just a few moments uh, from his news conference yesterday. Jeff for Longhorn Notebook has some other things that came out of the media sessions yesterday because Jeff uh, was also in the open locker room portion of the deal. So we'll uh, uh, we'll hear from him talking about that. We have a very rich and uh, uh, you might say fulfilled, uh, inconceivable today. You begin with the fact that it's a Friday, and we know what that means uh, with, with Florida man and all that, uh, and we do have some of that. Uh, but one of the Florida man stories also has a connection to the National Football League, and and we've got some other uh, tidbits that are that are pretty interesting, uh, you know, to uh, to get to an inconceivable. Also, in the eleven o'clock hour, Gene Watson, the assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals for Major League Scouting, will join us just past the top of the hour, and uh, we'll get a uh, a review of the World Baseball Classic. He was there, and then also. Uh, as we head down the home stretch of spring training and getting ready for the, st- for the start of the major league season, uh, the headline notes there. So we'll do that as well. We have a Flex 30 update as well, and uh, a, a lot of uh, Longhorn conversation to get to. So without further ado, first thing I want to do is, and we and we do this um, when we when we uh, you know go to the top of the hour. And when we when we go past the top of the hour, we come back with what I like to call the cleanup from hour number one for folks on the Specs text line. And Cam will keep an eye on that if you have some questions or submissions on that. 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776. And Cam will keep an eye on those. But usually when we get past the top of the hour, <laughs> I get to say what I say, clean up from hour number one, and it's some text we didn't have time to get to, and so we get caught up on that. In this case, it's a little clean up from the end of B&E because Bucky was talking about a very entertaining story about recruiting a young man or wanting uh, flying to recruit a young man named Derek Doris. He was from Azel, which is just off the northwest side of Fort Worth. And he decided he was not going to have the pilot take him through some uh, violent thunderstorms or some really stormy weather, so he didn't do that. He said Derek Doris uh, wound up at, uh, at Tech, and he said, and I think he, I think he made a dirty play. Yes, he did. It reminded me of that. I texted Bucky to remind him, and he remembered. Um, Derek Doris was an outstanding high school player in Azel. I did a couple of playoff games that he played in. And it was an, he was a kind of a, um, a Blake Gideon guy in high school. In other words, he did just about everything. He caught passes. He defended. He uh, was, I think he was a DB. Uh, he did a little bit of everything. But when he got to Texas Tech, he was he was strictly a receiver. And I know a lot of Longhorn fans are going to remember this. In 1998, Mac Brown's first year. And Texas was out there with still a shot to get to the Big 12 championship game. And they lost a heartbreaker to uh, Texas Tech out there. And when they lost to Texas Tech out there, one of the key moments came when Derek Doris threw an illegal crackback block on Anthony Hicks, one of the nicest guys in the world, a Texas linebacker, and it took out his knees. And uh, it, it got a lot of attention, a lot of headlines and things like that. And um, 
that's that's what I thought of when I thought of Derek Derek Doris because uh, of that crack back block where he got uh, Anthony Hicks in the knees and it and it ended Anthony Hicks's career. He was a senior, but uh, that ended his career. He wasn't able to finish the season. So uh, that comes to mind when I think of uh, Derek Doris as as Bucky was talking about. Okay, now to the basketball, and there's also baseball to uh, to get to tonight and and we'll kind of preview the Texas Texas Tech series because it is important as the Longhorns get ready to take on the Red Raiders this weekend uh, conference opening series for Texas both in baseball and in softball softball is scheduled to play at 4 30 this afternoon and you'll be able to hear all three games of the softball series on 105.3 the bat it'd be a 4:15 airtime this afternoon with a 4:30 first pitch at McCombs Field then, of course, across the street at UFC Dish Fog Field, it's a 7 o'clock first pitch, and it's a 6.45 airtime, and that game will be heard tonight on AM 1260 and 101.9 FM. AM 1260, 101.9, and also if you're in the ballpark or ballpark frequency uh, at 87.7. Uh, on uh, FM, if you're inside of UFC Dish Fog Field, 87.7, if you want to listen uh, to the game broadcast. But it is uh, 101.9 and AM 1260 uh, tonight, uh, what with Longhorn basketball being here on the horn on 104.9 FM, as well as on Coke, uh, 95.99.3 FM. But the uh, Longhorn Xavier game will be on 104.9. So Texas <clears throat> getting ready for Xavier. And at the news conference yesterday, Rodney Terry was asked about a variety of things. So we're kind of give you a little bit of a cross-section uh, of, of the things that he talked about and was asked about. Some are the obvious things you would expect. Some were a little bit different. So uh, here, this is from the news conference. Uh, first of all, starting it off when, when uh, he was asked to describe, you know, the feeling of going back here, making it back here by winning the two games in Des Moines, the Longhorns now back in Kansas City, and Roddy was asked about uh, the feeling of getting his team back here to Kansas City. Well, getting back to Kansas City wasn't easy. I mean, <laughs> we uh, we faced a really good Colgate team uh, that put a lot of pressure on us in terms of shooting the basketball. Um, really good, well-coached Penn State team uh, as well. Um, we were here a couple weeks ago and had a great experience in terms of uh, getting a chance to win a championship, Big 12 championship. Um, thought our league was really, really good this year. And, you know, we had a great experience while we are here. So we're excited about being back in Kansas City. Yeah, so that was the that was right out of the gate. And then the first question that he was asked, you knew this was coming. Um, and I don't philosophically have a problem with the question itself. It's kind of in the way it's asked. Uh, this is from Myron Medcalf, who, who writes for ESPN.com. And Myron, instead of asking Rodney, you know, hey, can you give us an update? Have you heard anything further on your job status? It's the blunt, direct, and kind of coarse way in which he asked the question. When he asked him, why aren't you the head coach at Texas? And why haven't you? He's asking, he's asking questions in a blunt fashion that Rodney simply doesn't have the answer to right now. But uh, in his usual way of handling such questions with, style and grace and aplomb uh, when he was asked, why haven't you been named the head coach and what do you have to do to do it? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, Rodney Terry answered it in the best way he could was to say, look, it's all about staying the course right now for him personally and on a larger level for the team. From the time that I was named acting head coach, 
uh, I've really just, really just poured a lot into these guys. You know, we, we have a great group of guys that I've had a chance to work with every single day and uh, uh, really have tried to instill in those guys, much like how I approach life in terms of just being an everyday guy, um, you know, living where your feet are, living in the present, uh, and uh, again, controlling what you can control. Um, our administrations have been great to me. Uh, they've done an incredible job backing myself, our staff, and members supporting uh, with our team. Um, you know, and really at the end of the day, we've just tried to handle what was in front of us, you know, 40 minutes by 40 minutes, you know, and uh, we're blessed enough to be here in the NCAA tournament and playing the second weekend. And uh, we've got an incredible challenge ahead with Xavier. Uh, it's a well-coached team as well. And uh, we're just excited about, about where we are right now and living in the moment. Yeah, and, and that's the only thing, the only way he knows that he can address that question because there's nothing new to report on that. And so, again, to ask, why haven't you been named? He doesn't have the answer to that, <laughs> you know. But uh, uh, he uh, he addressed it in, uh, like I said, in a, in a professional manner, and, and then they moved on. Uh, the next question uh, had to do about uh, Sule Boom. And I mentioned this yesterday, and when we had the conversation on the program yesterday with Christian Bishop, um, and uh, and uh, I asked the guys at the news conference yesterday about him, and and uh, what you know what uh, how much had been said about Sule Boom, because here's a guy who's converted two guard to point guard, who played for Rodney at UTEP, was in the program for three years at UTEP. He now happens to be Xavier's leading scorer. Uh, he averages just under 17 points per game, and uh, so there were going to there understandably going to be questions about Sule Boom and matching up uh, with him, just as you would about any of the other uh, Xavier players who are key components of this Musketeer basketball team. You know, guys like Adam Kunkel who can shoot 41 percent beyond the arc, Colby Jones. Uh, the guard, uh, who can also shoot from outside. Jack Nunchi, the big guy, the seven-footer in the middle. He can also knock down three-pointers. So, uh, you know, specific questions were asked about all the guys, but you knew it was going to be asked uh, about Sule Boom and how the Longhorns were ready to deal with him. But, But also the question put to Rodney from a more personal level, you know, what what are his recollections and talking about the Xavier point guard, Sule Boom. You talk about a great kid, one of my favorites to coach. Um, came to us from UTEP uh, after having a really successful uh, rookie campaign as a freshman at, at San Francisco. We knew that he was coming. He was on the All-West Coast Conference rookie team. We knew he was a, a guy that was wired to score. Um, he was a guy that came in that uh, we played a lot at the two and I made him play a little bit of point. He wasn't real happy about playing the point because he didn't get a chance to keep that ball in his hand as much as he wanted to. Uh, but just watching him grow uh, as a player uh, over the years. Uh, my last year at UTEP, he played alongside Bryson Williams, uh, Jamal Bienemy, uh Keontae Kennedy. Played with some, some really good players. And uh, he was a guy that, uh, again, was all about trying to win. Sule is so ate up with winning sometimes to a fault to where he's like, just give me the ball, let me go do it. I'll, I'll show you, coach, we'll get it done. Uh, but but just a fierce competitor, uh, great kid, uh, love him like my own son. Uh, we'll be major competitors come Friday night, though. He wants to win, I want to win. Uh, but I but, uh, uh, can't say enough great things about him 
as a person and uh, and love his mom as well. And then um, one more one more piece of sound we wanted to, to to bring to you from Rodney. We'll do some more next hour, but um, this one is uh, more about the challenge of the job itself, whereas you know the the. Certainly a, a guy like a Myron Medcalf or somebody might be uh, interested in just, you know, saying, what do you know? Why haven't you been hired? What do you know about that? Um, uh, Blair Kirkhoff, I think, is an outstanding writer from the Kansas City Star, uh, one of the best for years and years and years. Um, ask Rodney to talk about, you know, how, how he has been able to handle the challenges of the job given – the situation that was presented in December and then and then named interim head coach in January. And he also asked him if there were some comparisons with how Norm Roberts had to take over at Kansas. Remember, Bill Self uh, came to Kansas City with the team for the Big 12 tournament here two weeks ago and had to go to the hospital for a uh, medical procedure. And when he went in for the procedure, it was day-to-day, but day-by-day, Self was ruled out of each of the Big 12 Conference tournament games in Kansas City. Each day, it was like, well, uh, uh, don't know yet. We'll find out. And then probably whatever it was, an hour or two before the game, then we found out he's not going to be coaching the team that day. That happened for each of the three games in Kansas City, and then – when Kansas was on in Des Moines, and of course the Longhorns were up in Des Moines as well. Kansas was in the West Regional, and the Longhorns, of course, in the Midwest. But uh, they're both out of the same pod coming out, and Kansas uh, was was de- doing without Bill Self again. Again, the questions were were put. You know, will, would Bill Self be available? And then when we would find out on the day of the game, he would not be coaching the team. And, of course, Kansas went out in the second round to Arkansas, so the season over for Kansas and the season over for Bill Self. So hopefully uh, Bill Self is recovering fine and will be back next year and everything will be okay, but he's done for the year. Norm Roberts, his longtime assistant, came over with him from Oral Roberts in in, uh, in the 2000s, uh, early 2000s, uh, was with him at Oral Roberts and then at Illinois and then at Kansas. And Norm Roberts had to take over the coaching reins uh, there for the three games they played in the Big 12 tournament and the two games they played in Kansas City. So Rodney Terry was asked uh, by Blair Kirkhoff of the Kansas City Star about the challenges of of, of taking the job, uh, taking over the program, and then uh, if he thought Norm Roberts also felt some of those very similar challenges, as the question was put to Rodney about the challenges of the position. I think the biggest thing anytime you're you're in a situation that, that I was in, I think uh, one, I think you just have to be yourself. You know, I don't I don't think you you try to be something that you're not. You can't go and you know, coach. Uh, Chris is a great coach, Beard, but I couldn't be Beard. I'm not Beard. Beard's, Beard's totally different than 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 myself. And so, for myself, I just had to be Rodney Terry. You know, and uh, I think that boded well with our guys in terms of. Uh, of them really trying to buy into what we were trying to get done. We still had a whole season to play, uh, and, and everything was still in front of us. Uh, so I think that was one uh, thing that, that uh, was a challenge that uh, I'm, I'm not sure how the guys thought that that would turn out. Um, I, think, I think the other thing was 
continue to have great chemistry among your staff. Uh, I think our staff, had, had, you know, from the start, we were all all committed to trying to uh, to try to have a great season and uh, take this far, this team as far as we could take them. Um, I think also having a chance to sit down with our our, our captains on our team, the, the leaders of our team, uh, and talked about what what our new leadership style would look like, where we wanted to go, um, and and really trying to uh, continue to, to to build on what we were already trying to do early in the season. Um, I think Norm again. I know Norm a long time as well, long time assistant. Um, you know, I I think again you have to be ready, prepared for the opportunity too. Norm's been a head coach. Uh, so he knows what uh, what 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 that entails in terms of of leading a program. I thought he did a, a very admirable job uh, down the stretch uh, in leading KU. You know, you you have a Hall of Fame coach that you're working with and Coach Self that we have the utmost respect for, and hopefully hopefully he's doing well as well. Send prayers to him and uh, and his family. Uh, but but you had a quality guy, Norm Roberts, who's been a part of the program and has been very instrumental and. In, uh, and the success of that program at a very high level. Uh, he's also, I'm sure, had a voice as well. Um, I had a voice. Uh, I was already coaching. It wasn't like you were just all of a sudden sprung in front of the team. I was already coaching the team, uh, just on the defensive side of the ball and in front of those guys. I'm sure Norm, likewise, was in front of those guys. And uh, when you're able to do that, it makes it a, a smoother transition in terms of the guys understanding uh, your style and uh, and and also being held accountable, but I thought Norm did a great job, you know, and uh, it probably wasn't an easy situation for him as well, uh, because because you're never expecting what happened to to Coach Self to happen during the season at the most pivotal time of the season as well. But I thought he did a great job. There's always that uh, absolute fascination, certainly, with uh, coaches and how they you know, go about their business and, and do their day-by-day -day things. And so that's why some of those questions come the way they do. And there were more questions, and um, I'll get, including uh, he, Ronnie being asked what, what has made him a better coach and uh, some love for his hometown, Angleton, Texas. So there's, uh, there's some stuff with that. So we'll, we'll get to – now, we'll get to those coming up a little later on. But I did want to get to uh, some of your questions and comments on the Specs text line at 337-3776 before we get to the break and have our first uh, Longhorn Notebook of the program with Jeff checking in in a few minutes. But uh, what say those on the text line, Cam, this morning, uh, questions and comments? Yeah, we'll start off with Longhorn Bear. He believes that Kansas would be – still alive in the NCAA tournament if Bill Self was on the sidelines, and I think I, I agree with him. Well, I will tell you this. the I, I think some of the things in the way that they run their offense, you would see a difference with Self, um, especially with regard to what happened in the second half of the Arkansas game when they became a lot less aggressive offensively and mm -hmm. settled more for jump shots. And that kind of flipped the script really kind of because Arkansas was doing that in the first half and then Arkansas was more aggressive in the second half. And Arkansas got taken to the woodshed last night by UConn. Uh, but, uh, but still in all, uh, th there might be something to that. It's an answer. Uh, you know, it's a question for which we'll never have the answer clearly. Uh, but, but Norm Roberts, you know, kind of was running that, 
it was running a lot of what was going on with the program anyway, just like Rodney was when Chris Beard was the coach. So I, I don't know if it would have had the ultimate impact in terms of between winning or losing, but there, there probably would have been a difference. And then a couple, couple texts coming in about Myron Metcalf's question of to Rodney yeah. Terry. So Beaver Lance Jason asks, why do some reporters do that? The press conference is to address the last question and the next game. There is a time and place down the road for questions regarding RT's future. So annoying. And then Jim from Lago Vista. It seems the media is the only one concerned about Rodney Terry and his future. CDC will take care of it after next season. Media people need to relax now, now in all caps with two exclamation points. (laughs) Um, Kind of agree with him. You know, I I would say this. Certainly the fans – are are very much uh, Longhorn fans very much in support of Rodney and wanting the thing to get done, but I think also fans kind of have an understanding based on what CD said said CDC said from the start, uh, going back to Rodney being the acting head coach in December into January, and then when the decision was made uh, to uh, you know to fire Chris Beard that. Rodney would be the interim head coach for the rest of the season. Well, the season's not over yet. They're still coaching. I, I I get what a lot of folks are saying about, hey, look, he's he's done enough, he's proven enough, given the job. I don't it, it's not about proving anything anymore. It's following the process that was laid out initially to the end of the season and then do the evaluation in the totality. It's not as if at least this is my thought on it, my view, that that Rodney Terry has anything left to prove that he could and should be the head coach of this basketball program. It's, it, it isn't about that now. Now it's about just finishing out the process and then having the conversation to do it. But that answer, that answer isn't good enough for some folks, be they fans or in a large measure the media. Dick Vitale was very – verbal about about his uh, about why they haven't done anything yet you've heard other national uh, broadcasters uh, say the same thing a lot of those people are, are are folks who are either aren't closer to the situation uh, and or uh, either didn't pay attention or didn't hear and didn't read the uh, release that came out at the time back in January when CDC said he would be the coach, Rodney would be until the end of the season. That that statement to a lot of folks um, doesn't hold water to them because they want the instant action now to happen. And who knows? If, if Texas wins tonight or if they win two games this weekend before they, before they get to Houston for the Final Four, maybe there will be an announcement. I don't think there will be. I think right now it's about following the process. And when the season's over, then I think we'll hear the announcement. And I, and I think things look good for Rodney Terry, but I, I don't know. I don't have any uh, specific inside information on that. That's being kept uh, within the decision maker's uh, purview right now. But I do agree with, uh, with uh, you know, what some of the folks are saying uh, and that – there are those outside the area, the media, who are, are a little uh, 
more, I don't know if agitated is the right word, but they're more aggressive in their questions about why this hasn't been made a done deal yet. And the only answer that I can give them is because that's not how it was spelled out in the process. That's why. And and where it goes from here, we'll see. But, I, I, you know, I don't think there's any reason for Longhorn fans to be disturbed or alarmed that an announcement hasn't come down yet because all that it's doing at this point is following the process. If if the if the release back in January had said an announcement will be made at the end of the regular season or at the end of the Big 12 Conference tournament, then maybe you'd, you'd have some questions like, hey, what's, what is stonewalling this? What has taken so long? But that's not what the release said. It said the end of the season. So that's that's why I don't think there's reason for Texas fans to be that – uh, that upset and that alarmed about it simply because right now not only CDC but the athletic department and those who will make the decision on this are sticking to what their announcement back in January said that they would do. That's where that's where that I am with that. Last one, Craig, for you the cleanup from the first yep. half hour of the Specs Text line. Seeing how the teams played last night, would you still have Texas winning it all in your bracket, Craig? That's from blind Longhorn fan. Hey. It's it's the only it's the only one of my final four teams I have left still standing. Okay, Kansas is out. <laughs> Arizona, I had Arizona in the final four. They get knocked out in round one. Kansas is out. Uh, <laughs> Arizona is uh, out. And uh, who did I have winning the? Let's see, I had Kansas. Who did I have winning the East? The East. Uh, gosh, it wasn't Purdue. Uh, but but anyway, it wasn't it wasn't Florida Atlantic, uh, and it, I don't think I had Tennessee uh, listed as winning the East. I I don't think it was eh, it might have been Marquette. Oh, I had uh, I had Duke I guess in in uh, it getting in. So maybe that, maybe that was it. Um, and and so yeah, I don't have. The only Final Four team I have left is Texas, so yeah, it's it'll have to be ride or die with Texas, uh, the way it, the way it's going right now. Uh, all right, coming up, um, and uh, was that was that all of them? Oh, did, did somebody ask about the uh, about uh, the Dell match play? Yes, there, Cam? So tying back into how we started this show. So Jordan Spieth is known for playing uh, a wild brand of golf, right? The Players' Championship, he actually was saved on Friday because his golf ball, instead of going into the water, hit a fan and bounced back into the fairway. And then yesterday on hole number seven, he went long on the par three. The ball hit a spectator, hit another spectator's phone, broke the phone, bounced back in the play, ended up making par and having the hole. And so usually Jordan's really good about, you know, finding that person and doing whatever they want, signing a glove, free tickets, et cetera, et cetera. This person's yeah. asking, what would you want that happened to you? You looking for a signed glove, a picture? Oh, if I got hit by a golf ball from yeah. a golfer? And the golfer uh, came up and was like, hey, what, how, can I, how can I repay you? It almost happened to me twice when I was a kid going to the Greater Greensboro Open, going up one Chichi Rodriguez was coming. This is 1973. I'm, I'm 12 years old, not quite yet 13. And Chichi Rodriguez is coming up 18 with a one-shot lead. And Chichi had never won a PGA tournament title before. And my younger brother, Chris, and I were sitting. Uh, we we got lucky. We got it. We were on the front row of the bleachers 
uh, on the right side of the 18th green. And I swear to you, my brother said, said, and, and you couldn't see the golfers down in the fairway because it was an uphill par four at Sedgefield Country Club. And so uh, Chi-Chi was down. We'd heard somebody said, I think he's down in the rough. And I swear to you, my brother, my younger brother said, wouldn't it be something if Chi-Chi Rodriguez ball came right up here? And it wasn't 10 seconds out of his mouth. And a golf ball comes soaring right at us. And we put up our hands as a defense mechanism. And I think it hit, it either hit my brother or me or both. It bounced. It, it, it didn't hit us on the fly. It came in and kind of bounced in. And I think it hit my brother because I don't really remember making contact with it myself. But I think it hit my younger brother. And it kept the ball from going under the bleachers. And it kind of bounced a little bit in uh, the first cut of rough right by the green. And the marshals came up, and they were talking, and they were pointing at us, and blah, blah, blah. They ultimately decided that, you know, it, it hit us inadvertently, and we didn't throw it onto the green or anything like that. Chi-Chi comes up from there, chips on the green, knocks in the putt, and wins the GGO by one shot. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd forgotten that story, but that had happened, that happened uh, gosh, well, it'll be 50 years this spring. That's right. It'll be 50. It was 1973. So I have to check with my brother and see if, how well he remembers that. So that that happened there. And also uh, the GGO, uh, I think the next year, um, there was a ball that came off the backside of the green, and I got out of the way of it. It didn't come close to hitting me, but it was Al Guyberger, uh, who I think went on and won it. And Guyberger came up and and uh, flipped me two golf tees, uh, or three three golf tees that had his name on them, and, and so I, I'll always uh, remember that as well as as part of it. So you know, I I I don't know that that a golfer owes me anything unless he does me great bodily harm or something like that. Just uh, come over and a. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, maybe take a quick selfie with me or something after. I, I, yeah, that's all I, I would really care that much about. So, <laughs> it's funny, Dave. I hadn't even thought about that deal that happened to me when I was a kid in so long. Uh, but thanks to the texture brought that up. Look it up. 1973, Greater Greensboro Open. Chi-Chi Rodriguez, his first PGA Tour victory. Up next, Jeff Howell joins us for our first hour Longhorn Notebook uh, as uh, we continue from here uh, in Kansas City, uh, and of course the Longhorns are uh, playing tonight in the uh, uh, NCA Sweet 16. And as such, uh, we want to remind folks as well uh, about the uh, opportunity for you perhaps to salvage your NCA tournament picks in the All-Step Bracket Challenge. Uh, look, we know everybody's bracket's busted. Like I said, all I have left is Texas in mind. But the Longhorns are still in the running, and somebody has to win. So check hornfm.com right now and see where you stack up in the All-Stat Bracket Challenge. Bragging rights and a 55-inch HDTV are on the line thanks to uh, Tom McKay and audiovisual consultations. So be sure to check that out online at hornfm.com. Jeff Howe checks in with our Longhorn Notebook coming up when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Webb and 
Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. It is the both of us as we continue from Kansas City on the day that the Longhorns play in the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16, which brings us to our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. See if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that is to get that home loan approval turned around in a snap. She is the person who can make that 10-day home loan approval guarantee a reality. Check her out on the web at BowersockTeam.com. Bowersockteam, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, just like it sounds. Bowersockteam.com. All right, so Jeff Howell joins me from across town. Now, um, you asked me a question yesterday before the news conference started when I was making my way into the interview room. And and it was a very smart question you asked me. You asked me where the closest bathroom was. And um, which, uh, having been in that building as many times as I've been in it, I have probably used every single restroom in that arena at some point. So it was a smart move, but it got me thinking. I thought, wait a minute. Has Jeff been in this building before? You've been in that building before, hadn't you, T-Mobile? I've only been in there once. I was there for media day in October, but guys okay. usually don't cover the Big 12 tournament. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. Okay. All right. So, but it was a heads up question well, on your part. It's been, it's been yeah, yeah, recently it's been bumping up to where it's the same week. Usually the Big 12 tournament falls on the same week that spring football starts. Yep. So usually I try to stay back in Austin for, for football stuff. I know. Well, it, it's good to have you in town in Kansas City. So, uh, let me get your impressions. I know you also have some audio as well, but your impressions of the day's events yesterday at T-Mobile. Uh, I've got a, yeah, we've got a clip we're going to run right now. But uh, thank you, Cameron Parker, for your diligent work in getting this ready. Craig, I've solved the mystery of the Jabari Rice shoe controversy. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so once and for all, let's set the record straight, straight from the horse's mouth. Here was the deal with the shoes in the Penn State game. The LeBrons were hurting my feet, honestly. Uh, I got them the day before. Yeah. I saw them. I was uh, with my dad, and I got them the day before. And so uh, they were just hurting my feet. They weren't broken in uh, enough. But ever since uh, I've worn these, I've had a good game. So uh, I might as well keep it going. I shouldn't try to change it. So I just put these back on. And every every game from now on that I'm fortunate to play, I'm going to be wearing these. So as he was saying, the LeBrons hurt his feet. Yeah, the LeBron hurt his feet and went back to his other shoes, so he'll be wearing the the the, the multicolored shoes for the game tomorrow or for the game tonight. Okay, that is good to know. And I should add as a postscript to this, Jeff, because this also goes to another question. I think Cam didn't you tell me there was a question on the Specs text line uh, right near the start of the program about barbecue about. Kansas City barbecue. Yeah, a, someone was wondering if you had KC barbecue on your agenda this weekend. Well, I, I I've already had it some, and here's what happened. Uh, it, the the answer to the question is yes. It would it was going to be on the agenda. Now our producer Dave Garrett wasn't able to uh, arrive in town until last night. So normally when we barbecue, we we do the barbecue thing together because we've hit a lot of the places in this town. However. Uh, Dave wasn't here yet, and when the team returned, and I returned with them from the close practice yesterday, they had barbecue catered from Gates. 
and uh, and Gates is another one of those classic traditional barbecue places. Has good barbecue, and of course, a lot of folks know Gates from what else they're known for. And and Rodney brought this up in talking to the team. They yell at you. It's kind of almost like a soup Nazi experience when you go through the line. What do you want? You know, and it's a speak up. You know, is is that kind of stuff? It's pretty entertaining, actually. And uh, I remember taking Olin Buchanan through there once when, when OB was working for the States before he went over to works at Texax now. But before, before then, uh, it, it was his first time, and he was covering uh, women's athletics at the time. And I took him over there, and he was really thrown, thrown off by that. The reason why I bring that up and what it relates to shoes, Jeff, is when we first went down and we were invited to come and eat with the team, at first we were told, hold on, the guys aren't here yet. And, of course, you always let the team go first and, and get what they want. And there's always plenty of food, so that's never an issue. But they were waiting on the players. Why they were waiting on the players is because when the bus got back to the hotel, Jeff, they all went to the nearby uh, shoe store and were getting shoes. Guys were getting shoes last night, uh, and I did see Jabari come in with a yeah. Jabari came in with a bag in his hands. Now I don't know that they were necessarily shoes for wearing on the floor, and like he told you, he's planning no. on wearing the gamers he wore last week tonight. So I can tell you the story behind this. So there's a like a little boutique place right by the hotel. Yes, and Dylan Mitchell had bought some slides. I'm not going to say how much he paid for the slides, but let's just say they're more than I was, I'm willing to pay for a pair of slides. I got you. And okay. they were kind of, the, the, slide, the slides were getting passed around the locker room, and guys could not believe how comfortable these slides were. So the plan was for them to get back to the hotel and guys to go get their slides or get some, some shoes that were that same brand at the little, the little big seat next to the hotel. So okay. you can blame Dylan Mitchell, Craig, for, for dinner being late last night. Okay, all right, that makes perfect sense because all we were told is the guys are at a shoe store, at the shoe store yep. there that attaches to the Crown Center and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the guys are at the shoe store. So I thought, wow, they're going out and getting shoes. And But that wasn't it. They're going out to get slides. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. And, and Jabari found himself. Slides, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jabari found some. He, he, was, he had a shopping bag with him. So uh, we'll look for the same shoes tonight, Jeff but uh, different slides for him. Yeah, well, you know, I want to I keep us on the clock, but sticking with Jabari yep. uh, real quick, you know, th- this team, I, I was talking to him about, you know, what's the vibe, and, and he said, no, he said, I think we were, he said, I forgot how you said, you know, nerves or, or just kind of those butterflies. He said, I think it, there was more of that last week, just thinking about the possibility of getting here. He said, now that we're here, he said, I don't think we could be more relaxed or be more loose or just be as ready to play as we were. And, Craig, you saw them in the open practice yesterday. That was not a team. I would describe that group as the furthest thing from uptight. They were loose. They were relaxed. Yeah. But it's not uh, It's not an aloofness type deal. It's just a, a quiet confidence. Yeah, this isn't business-like all year, but there's now a, dare I say, a swagger about this team uh, now that they've got here. You know, because I do think now now that in hindsight is 2020, now they can admit, like, hey, yeah, when you are the highest seed and, and you're playing in that first and second round, there is a little bit of pressure. But now they understand, look, if, you, if you've gotten to this point in the tournament, you're a really good team. And they know the teams that they're going to play the rest of the way are really good teams, starting with Xavier tonight. And it's crazy, Craig. When you think about the three tests this team has had, each of their first three games in this tournament, they'll have faced three of the better three-point shooting teams 
in the country. Now, exactly. Penn State didn't shoot it as Penn State didn't shoot it as much as Colgate did, and Xavier doesn't shoot it as much as Penn State did. I think Xavier's in the 200s nationally in three-point attempts per game. Uh, but there's a, this is a team that they've got multiple guys on the floor that can shoot it. They shoot it at a, about a 39% clip. But, you know, one thing that I, I'm really – I just really continue to, to applaud this team for, as good as they are on offense. And, Greg, I think it gets lost in the shuffle. You know, this team led the Big 12 in scoring this season. Yeah. Uh, they were a pretty proficient, prolific offensive team. But they'll tell you, we don't really focus on what happens on the offensive end because they know when they're really good, it starts with them. They're really getting down, guarding people, and playing really good defense, and their offense comes off of their defense. Guys really understand that. It's, it's one thing to talk about that, but this team really believes in it. So it's another one of those tough tests where your perimeter guys are going to be tested. Uh, you know, your bigs are going to have some some one-on-one matchups that they're going to have to win their share of those. So. Uh, Somewhat similar. I know, I know the, the personnel for Xavier is different, but stylistically, uh, not all that different than what Texas has seen the first two games is what they'll see tonight. All right. Uh, this hour's long war notebook with Jeff. And um, uh, Jeff, uh, I do have uh, two Florida man stories for uh, for inconceivable. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and give them to you right now before we get to the break, just like we did last week. One is your classic um, uh, Florida man story. It's a man with a suspended driver's license who got pulled over and arrested after driving over 100 miles per hour. And uh, th- this happened in Palm Springs, a 40-mile-per-hour zone. He was driving a black Mercedes, began swerving in and out of traffic at high speeds. Uh, Javon Pierre Jackson, 22 years of age, went zooming past an unmarked police vehicle and into an no-passing zone where he split the lane, causing a white pickup truck to swerve and narrowly miss a head-on collision with the Mercedes. When the Palm Springs police pulled him over, they found three young children in the back of the car. And he's driving at that speed. Oh, good Lord. So as they, and he was also driving with a suspended license. So when they arrested him, he had his girlfriend in the car too. When they arrested him, they asked him, why were you driving so fast? He said he had to get his girlfriend to a job interview at Taco Bell. That's why. <laughs> he had to get his, okay. There's, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, it's Florida man, right? And we know what Florida man means, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, 140, is that even something that's real? Like, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, yeah, 140. 140. All right, one other Florida man story before we let you go this hour. Um, we knew about the Lamar Jackson contract situation being a, uh, a difficult mm-hmm. situation. Did you see the memo that came down from the National Football League about this? They're warning teams. Yeah, I kind of heard heard about the the, the initial part of this. Uh, I heard Rodden Hart talking about it the other day. But, yeah, when I saw the memo come down yesterday, I I couldn't help but laugh after their conversation. Yeah, because they've – the NFL has warned teams to stay away from a gentleman by the name of Ken Francis who's been trying to negotiate his contract and contacting – other teams 
It says he's currently a non-exclusive, or it says uh, as an uncertified person, Mr. Francis is prohibited from negotiating offer sheets or player contracts or discussing potential trades on behalf of any NFL player, prospective player, or assaulting or advising. Uh, he's a Florida man. That's that's the thing. He's a Florida man. It said that, that so that's that's the deal. They said that uh, he was a Florida man. So there you are. It's one, uh, it's just, one thing to it's one thing to operate without an agent like Lamar does, but that doesn't mean that you know Uncle Cletus is free to go negotiate your next deal. He was doing that. You talk about trying to grab low hanging fruit, you know. So so uh, uh, there it is. All right, those are two Florida man stories. Jeff will check in next hour for uh, Longhorn uh, Notebook Number Two at the bottom of next hour. So we'll. All right, we'll do that. Uh, in the meantime, we'll uh, continue with Light the Tower with the rest of the inconceivable file on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the Horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Well, here are the other items that are not uh, of the Florida Man variety. Um... First of all, you've got a uh, Walmart customer. You can start with those words right there, which is always interesting. Going viral uh, after filling up a bottle of Dawn dish soap to, quote-unquote, avoid getting ripped off. Uh, this was somebody who posted this. on. T- this is something that has always gotten me to. If you're going to do something that is unethical and or illegal, why would you put it on TikTok? And what happened was a woman did not uh, who thought that the bottle of Dawn did not have the right amount of liquid in there so thought she was being shortchanged. So in a video with a text overlay that read, Walmart is not ripping me up, uh, a TikToker can be seen opening a container of Dawn soap and then pouring it into one she's presumably intending on purchasing. So naturally, a lot of people responded and said, you know, things like, hey, idiot, you know, it's done by volume. It's not, you know, they literally wrote the amount of liquid in the container. You're not getting ripped off. Um, She didn't kind of try to make a joke about it, the TikToker, but no joke. Under the Federal Anti-Tampering Act, if they arrest her, it carries a maximum penalty of $25,000 and 10 years in prison or a $100,000 fan in life in jail if tampering results in death. Although, as has been reported, it is difficult to imagine someone going to die from an individual pouring dish soap into another container. That said, uh, no word yet on whether that she's been arrested. Uh, this Brain woman did get arrested. was a good comment coming in from that. Craig. What's that? Rain still at work was a good specs text line coming in. Oh, yeah? Yeah? A good comment on that? Brain cell? Like, no brain cells at all. Oh, yes. Absolutely. No doubt. Uh, here's something else where someone who did uh, get busted in Las Vegas. A Las Vegas shoplifter called on video. Not only was she called on video shoplifting, she was caught on video bragging that she'd never be caught and laughing as she just brazenly just snatched items off the store shelves. They'll never catch me, the woman said, while stealing from a convenience store. 
uh, there on Las Vegas Boulevard. She could be seen uh, and then heard laughing as she walked away. The video helped identify 51-year-old Nicole Waters as the suspect after it was posted online by the police department. And in a Facebook post a couple days ago, Las Vegas police announced Waters was located last week a few blocks away from the strip and arrested the the police the police department wrote from the captain captain obvious department they wrote as a reminder don't steal things <laughs> okay <laughs> appreciate the tip on that um meanwhile an idaho man was arrested and was convicted for drug possession but the drug possession conviction was vacated because the the police drug sniffing dog had put its paws on the vehicle the state supreme court ruled that officers in idaho carried out an illegal search of kirby dorf's car that's his name d-o-r-f-f they carried out an illegal search of kirby dorf's car back in 2019 as a result of the dog's actions mr dorf was reportedly stopped by police in uh, mountain home idaho for not using his turn signals as he drove and a second officer then arrived on the scene with a drug-sniffing canine called Nero. Officers searched his car and said the dog was alerting them to the presence of drugs and found a substance related tested positive for, wait for it, up in the Pacific Northwest, meth, methamphetamine. They then searched his motel room. They found 19 grams of meth and drug paraphernalia. He was charged with felony delivery and possession of a controlled substance and misdemeanor drug paraphernalia possession, but he argued the charges were brought despite the dog trespassing on his vehicle, and his lawyer submitted a motion to suppress the evidence. It was denied by a county district court judge. He pleaded guilty on the condition that he could appeal the denial of his motion to suppress the evidence, and in June 2020, he appealed the case to the Idaho Supreme Court, and this week, the court delivered its decision, three of the five justices in agreement, two dissenting. The justices in the majority wrote in their decision that the outside of the car was covered by the Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution, which protects against unlawful searches. And with the conviction vacated, the case now goes back to district court, where it will continue with the motion to suppress in place. So, yeah, saying that when the dog put his paws on the car, that's when the uh, search became illegal. So, dude skipped out on the meth charge, apparently, because the dog got a little bit too exuberant. And uh, finally, um, uh, Jeff would like this because it comes from Australia. Uh, he likes the fact that I searched Australia. But there's a brand-new species of spider, and it is giant uh, it's kind of a cross between, it looks kind of either between kind of a red and a burnt orange. Uh, and very rare, very colorful, belongs to the genus Euopolis. And uh, it's been living in Queensland, Australia. Researchers say it's in need of protection because they really haven't found many males on it. Uh, but they found it. it's a gigantic spider. Didn't say whether it was poison or not, but there it is. All right. There is uh, your inconceivable for today. Coming up, we'll talk some Major League Baseball. Gene Watson, the assistant general manager for Major League Scouting for the Kansas City Royals, joins us. I'm in his town. And um, we'll uh, 
get his thoughts on the just completed World Baseball Classic and the home stretch of baseball spring training. Also, we have a Flex 30 update coming up this hour and our number two Longhorn Notebook with Jeff Howe. All of this as we continue from here in Kansas City with Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. 